we turn today to the, the book of Acts, the 16th chapter, beginning in the 16th verse. Acts 16, follow along in your copy of the scripture or along the screen behind me. Acts 16 begins, it happened that as we were going to the place of prayer, a slave girl having a spirit of divination met us, who was bringing her masters much profit by fortune telling. Following after Paul and us, she kept crying out saying, these men are bond servants of the most high God who are proclaiming to you the way of salvation. She continued doing this for many days. But Paul was greatly annoyed and turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out of her at that very moment. But when her masters saw that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the authorities. And when they had brought them to the chief magistrate, they said, these men are throwing our city into confusion, being Jews. And are proclaiming customs, which is not lawful for us to accept or to observe, being Romans. The crowd rose up together against them, and the chief magistrates tore their robes off of them and proceeded to order them to be beaten with rods. When they had struck them with many blows, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to guard them securely. And he, having received such a command, threw them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. But about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praise to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there came a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were unfastened. When the jailer awoke and saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried out with a loud voice saying, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And he called for the lights and rushed in, and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. And after he brought them out, he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They said, believe in the Lord Jesus, so you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him, together with all who were in his house. And, they, and he took them at that very hour of the night and washed their wounds, and immediately he was baptized, he and his whole household. And he brought them into his house and set food before them and rejoiced greatly, having believed in God with his whole household. Would you pray with me? Holy Father, we thank you for the incredible blessings that you have poured into our life already. You've allowed us to come into your house to worship, to sing great anthems of faith, to listen to beautiful music. We join our hearts together to praise you. You are worthy. We thank you, Father, for these that have been baptized today and for our own baptism. We thank you for the cross, for the blood of Jesus that washes and covers our sins. We thank you for new life. Forgive us of any ways that we have fallen short. Forgive us of our sins so that we might draw close to you and you to us. 
so our hearts might be wholly yours. Open your holy word by the power of your spirit today. In Jesus' name, amen. In the Gospel of John, Jesus prays. He says these words and talks about the incredible unity that he desires between himself and all who believe. John 17, 20 says, I do not ask on behalf of these alone, but for all who also believe in me through the word. Listen, that they may be all be one, even as you, the Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. Jesus' desire is that there would be an incredible unity, a great oneness between him and all who have proclaimed him as the Christ. In Acts 16, then, we see what that unity looks like on a very practical level. In this passage, we see three ways, and we might end the sentence this way, unity with God means, and I offer you three things that that means today. Unity with God means, number one, disunity with the worldly system. Disunity with the worldly system. I remember uh, when I first became a Christian, we had lived in Germany. I was uh, accepted Christ as my Lord at, at that point in my life and been away from my mom and dad for a long time. And I got back and I was so excited to share my faith with them. And I was talking about the world, you know, and, and that we're to hate the world and, and the world is an evil place and we're to be in the world but not of the world. And I kept saying things like that. And, and finally, my mom said, well, I'm not really sure what you mean. What do you mean that we're to hate the world? You know, we came from Colorado, one of the most beautiful places on the planet, and we loved the mountains, and we loved the aspen in the fall, the shimmering fields, and it's beautiful. And my mom said, I love the world. What do you mean? And you know, the truth is, I had to stop and think about it for a minute, because really all I was doing was kind of repeating what I had heard, but I never really thought it through. And so I kind of stammered out, Mom, I... I think it means that we're, we're not to be like everybody else. We're kind of to hate the worldly system. You know the one I'm talking about, the, the kind of dog-eat-dog world, you know, or, or uh, I do unto others before they do unto you. you know, that's not what we're all about. Or, or he who dies with the most toys wins. Have you ever seen that bumper sticker? i got to laugh every time I see that. But, but that's not who we are. If anyone hits me, I'm going to hit them three times. They'll never think about doing me harm again. But that's not the kingdom that we live in. In the scriptures, it says that we are to be very different. It says that we are to, to, for, for instance, consider the young slave girl. She's possessed by an evil spirit. Now just think about, what would you do if you observed that? You who live in the kingdom, what would you do if you observed a young woman who was imprisoned and enslaved by a demon? And there Paul speaks loud and clear and commands that demon to leave, and it says in an instant it was cast out of her. What would you do? Well, I think most of us who live in the kingdom, we'd fall down our knees, if not our face. We would worship God. We would praise him for what he did. That's because we live in the kingdom. That's where we are supposed to be. That's where our values are. But what happens in the world? Well, a bunch of trumped-up charges, sham accusations out of anger. And the, and the truth is, it's all about what? About profit, about money that's being lost. That's not our kingdom. 
Because the worldly system is turned upside down, but Jesus has turned, turned it right side up. And this is the kingdom that we're to live in. Likewise, the greater our unity, the greater we live in that kingdom, the greater our unity with God, the further away that kingdom will be, and the greater our disunity will that be. Listen how Jesus describes some of the kingdom. He says in Luke 6, But I tell you who hear me, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone strikes you on this one cheek, turn to him the other also. And the worldly system says what? That's insanity. That makes no sense. That's just crazy. Or we listen to the scriptures. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. No, no, no. He who has the most toys, he who has the, the biggest boat, the largest house, he's the one who wins. Why should I tithe? I, I work very hard for everything. Uh, why should I give the very first 10% of everything I take in? That's insanity by worldly standards. But that's not where we are. That's not who we are in Christ. Or consider best of all what Richard just sang about. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who are gentle. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Jesus is describing his kingdom where you and I are to live. And the greater we live in that kingdom, the greater we're going to be at odds with the world. In fact, Considering everything that Jesus talks about in the scriptures, considering all of those who follow Christ, we might come to the conclusion if we aren't in some tension right now with the worldly system, if we don't have some persecution or tribulation, we're probably not doing this life of faith correctly. Number one, unity with God means disunity with the worldly system. Number two, unity with God means that we can find peace even in the storm. I hope and pray that this speaks to someone here today. Someone that maybe is really going through the storm of their life. Consider the response of Paul and Silas to the most severe beating that we can't even imagine it. I read in a, in a commentary one time the beating that they took. It was probably they, they took rods that were about as thick as my little finger. Long rods. And then they would take three of those and bind them together. They would bind them together, and then they would hit with that. And they could be hit as many as 39 times. 39 times was permissible. And I got to tell you, after the beating of a lifetime like that, sitting in prison, surrounded in the dark by a bunch of, oh man, can you even imagine the smell of that prison? There would be a tendency in my life to maybe just have a pity party. Have you ever had a pity party? I'm the only one here that's had a pity party. Well, that's just not. Uh, I think back about some of the pity parties. I think about Paul and Silas, and I tell you what, it, it's not anything I say of pride, but I think I'd be tempted to have a pity party there in prison. I might just say if I was Paul, you know, here I am just trying to serve God, and this is what I get. 
I was a rabbi. I was respected by everyone. I, I sat at the feet of the greatest teacher, Gamaliel. I sat at his feet and learned. And when I walked down the streets as a rabbi, people moved out of the way. And, and they bowed as I walked by. I was respected by everyone. And now, Lord, this is what I get. Yet there's something about Paul and Silas that enabled them not to fold not, not, to, not to fold, but to pray. Not to pout, but to praise. Not to become sour, but then to lift their voices in song. While they were in chains. Can you imagine? Perhaps the answer is found in Paul's words to the Romans. In Romans 8 and 15, he says, For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. Listen now, if indeed we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. Here's Paul's attitude to suffering. For I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. You see, instead of focusing on the chains, they lifted their eyes just a little. And they began to praise and sing. And don't miss it. Listen, it not only changed their attitude, but it changed their reality, didn't it? Have you ever watched Dr. Phil on TV? Have you ever watched him? I used to. I, I got a got turned off as of late, but he used to ask that one question, you know, he'd say, well, you're just having a pity party, and then he'd look at him and say, how's that working for you? How's a pity party working for you? You know, I can think back in the times in my life when I've had a pity party, and I've just got to confess, it didn't, it didn't work very well at all. It didn't work very well at all. You know, in other words, what it did is it really just kind of kept me imprisoned, but there have been times in my life, not enough, i, I got to confess, but there have been a few times in my life that even in the midst of the storm, I, I somehow, by the grace of God, the power of the Spirit, was just able to praise him right in the middle of the storm. And you know what happened? Just like Paul and Silas, it changes everything. Second Chronicles 16.9, Sandy showed this verse to me years ago. It's always meant so very much to me. For the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. The way that I see it in my mind's eye is that we are surrounded, the Spirit moving in us, living within us, surrounding us, looking for those whose heart might be completely his. He's looking for those that he can fully support. Not just those who would praise him in the sun, but those that would praise him in the storm, whose heart is completely his. And the scriptures say that he's just looking, and I, I can almost see in my mind's eye, you know, the, the time when you or I are in that great storm, and, and somehow by the power of the Spirit, our faith, we, we start to sing, and it is as if the Holy Spirit, he snaps around and he says, I recognize that voice. That one is one of mine. Now let me go and change not only, not only their perspective, not only their attitude, but let me change their reality. Unity with God means we can find peace even in the storm. And, and, and by the way, did you notice how the jailer came to faith? 
Did you notice how he came to faith? You know, he probably had heard about Paul and Silas before they came to his prison. Right? He probably, it says that the whole city was in a uproar. Everybody knew all about them. This, this jailer may have even heard them preach, but it didn't bring him into a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, did it? What changed everything? It wasn't his preaching. It was the way that Paul and, and, and Silas responded to persecution and tribulation and beating and imprisonment. My dad was a big man. When I was a little boy, I, 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 both, uh, I was in awe of him. You know, I loved him, and I was also in fear of him. He was a big giant of a man, strong and powerful. And I looked up to him. He served in the Navy during World War II. He came back. He was a police officer in our community. And, and he had probably seen both the worst and the best of people. He was very strict, and, and I was a rowdy kid that often got in trouble. And he would often catch me in some misdeed, you know, and, and I began to cry, and, and I would always say, I'm so sorry, Dad. And I was always saying, I'm so sorry. But one eye, I was kind of looking to see if he was going to reach for that special belt that was up on that, you know, right. In, whoo, you didn't want the belt. You did not want the belt. I'm so sorry, Dad. And then the words came out. Do you remember? I'll never do it again. And on a very good day, he would kind of walk away from that belt, and he'd say, all right, son. Well, I can almost hear his voice. But remember, talk is cheap, and actions speak louder than words. Is it right here that we come every Sunday, and we sing loud and clear and have great testimonies of faith? Absolutely it is. Is it great that we sing these, these great songs in the very best of times? Absolutely it is. But just consider how powerful your testimony is when you're in the middle of the storm and you can smile from the very center of your being, from your very heart, and when your neighbor comes up and says, how are you doing? You can say, my God is good, and he's going to get me through this. Or when you can confess, even in the most difficult times, I can't see God's hand in this, but I'm going to trust his heart. Or someone comes up to you in the great trial of your life and says, why in the world is this happening? You can say, I don't know, and at these moments all I can do is look at the cross of Jesus. And know that he loves me and he has a plan for me. And I choose to praise him and know that he'll bring me through it. Unity with God means disunity with the worldly system. Unity with God means that we can find peace even in the storm. And finally, unity with God means that we can have true freedom. Isn't that a good word? Can you say that one time? Freedom. One more time. Freedom. I wonder if there's some here today that just are really having a hunger, a deep desire. Consider what happened in this story. This slave girl found freedom from demonic possession. Paul and Silas found freedom from their present circumstances. The, the jailer found freedom from death and sin. You know, Rich 
Brother Rich drew something to my attention about the jailer that I had ever never noticed before. Do you, do you remember uh, what his response was when he realized that the doors were open and he thought everyone had escaped? Pulled his sword and was ready to kill himself, right? Was going to commit suicide because he was afraid that Paul and Silas had left. What kind of transformation did he go through? What kind of change did he go to his life? He was terrified. He was terrified and ready to die because Paul and Silas were gone. And in the next turn the page, and he is taking Paul and Silas out himself, kneeling down and cleaning their wounds, welcoming, welcoming them into his own home. And you have to ask, what causes such an incredible transformation? The only thing I know is that one who has been held captive, one who has been afraid of death, one who has been captive by sin, and now was let free, brothers and sisters, the jailer was changed. And so should we all be, because we too have received the very same thing. He asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Paul gives him an unlikely answer. He says, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. You and your household. Well, how will that help him out of this terrible situation? The jailer learns in that moment that all problems are theological. You and I may be in a terrible situation. We may have marital problems. We may be struggling with addiction. There may be financial issues. And we ask the same question, how can I be saved from this mess? Our children may not be acting right. Our parents may not be acting right. What must we do to be saved? And the answer is rarely what we expect. Believe in the Lord Jesus. Believe that he has a good plan for your life. Believe that his strength is sufficient. Believe that Jesus is still our Savior. Memorize a, a new truth that's greater than your present circumstances. Isaiah 59 1 says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not so short that it cannot save, nor his ear so dull that it cannot hear. Believe in the Lord Jesus and be saved. Do you know my favorite three words in this passage? They may not mean as much to you as they do to me, but the ones that I'm really drawn to are found in verse 25. Three simple words, but about midnight. The darkest, most miserable point of the night, surrounded by criminals in chains in a smelly prison after taking a terrible beating, but 25 says, but about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing. And through praying and singing, and praising God, they found joy and freedom. And so can we. Would you pray with me? We join our hearts, Father, and pray to you. We recognize there are great needs that many have come into the sanctuary today, this place of peace without much. And so I pray, Father, that by the power of your Spirit and the perfection of your holy word, that you would breathe through them. And they would be encouraged by what they have experienced today. That you would breathe through them and lift their eyes so that we might see a greater truth. 
We don't deny that there are great problems, Father. We just confess that you are greater. Bless my brothers and sisters here today. We love you. And we are just as much in need of a Savior as the first day that we confessed you as Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.